Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers over two decades peace, commenting publicly on your Minnesota Vikings. We are here today in this day ahead of border battle number two, where we travel over to the legendary Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers and hopefully end any hopes they have of the playoffs in this season and send Aaron Rodgers home crying once again. We have three themes to talk about. First, we're going to talk about the rookies, the rookies that happen to be stepping up and getting more snaps, the ones that are becoming sort of critical to how the Vikings are playing and how these young men have improved and have earned those snaps. Secondly, we're going to look into the Duke, the Duke of Shelley. Duke Shelley has come on. He may be diminutive in stature, but he plays ginormous on the field. Then, of course, we dive into that game, that fateful game up in Lambeau, where we sit next to our friends, the Packers fans, and yell, no, Pack, no, as the Vikings demolish their dreams, their hopes, their will to live. Tomorrow, Sunday afternoon. But first, you have two old bloggers now. Climb in the pocket, Avery Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Starting now. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here again. Darren over there in the Great White North. How are things up there, buddy? Just fine, Dave. Just got back a couple of days. Uh, uh, a couple of days ago from a little bit of a visiting family down in northern Alberta. I hope everybody uh, had a nice holiday break. I uh, hope everybody else who's uh, viewing here today has had a great uh, holiday Christmas time as well and uh, happy New Year's Eve to everybody. Mm-hmm. It is New Year's Eve amateur night but <laughs> it is the night uh, where we get to, if you have a loved one you get that kiss at midnight. You get to partake. I do not but that's quite alright by me. I'd rather look at Vikings football stuff. So let's <laughs> get into that. We're going to start off with what we named the show, Cheese Anyone? We're looking at the Vikings 
at the Packers for Week 17. But first... We go into our first theme, the rookies. It's been a... um... As all Viking fans would would know who follow the team closely, it's been a uh, quiet, somewhat disappointing uh, rookie two, 2022 rookie class uh, for the Vikings. Uh, Quasi Adolfa Mensa's first first draft, Kevin O'Connell's first draft with the Vikings uh, for for some reason ineffectiveness or not being able ready to get on the field in some cases in, in large cases injuries have uh you got lewis seen who who had a you know broken leg uh out for the year very early in the season uh, andrew booth jr jr um has battled i think i can't remember i think it was a quad injury or a hamstring injury earlier in the year and then he got the knee injury that caused him to have surgery and he's on the ir done for the season caleb evans has had uh concussion uh had several concussions and has been missed a number of games other guys haven't been able to get on the field really the only rookie who's made any noise and sometimes oftentimes a lot that noise hasn't been all that good has been ed ingram um but <laughs> Uh, but uh, lately anyway yes yeah we've been saying that all year and and it's all well and good but but lately there's been if if you've been paying close attention there's been a couple of rookies the past three weeks or so who have started seeing more and more playing time and might be carving out a significant role with the 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 2022 minnesota vikings year 12 and 3 nfc north division champion 20 uh, minnesota vikings the first guy i want to talk about yes conquered the north first guy i want to talk about is third round pick brian asamoa and he's a guy that dave i think you as well i remember when we drafted him we were I was really excited to see mm-hmm. what this kid would do. He was a tackling machine at Oklahoma. Uh, was he a safety? Was he a linebacker? You know, he's had that size, kind of that tweener size. Mm-hmm. So there was a question about, okay, what is his role going to be? But we knew he made a ton of plays at Oklahoma. And uh, great sideline, fast, sideline to sideline pursuit, had that in spades. Uh, but he basically, for the beginning of the re- year, was a special teams guy. Uh, saw very few snaps. Understandable because he's playing behind two grizzled uh, and pretty good veterans, Eric Kendricks and Jordan Hicks. We weren't ex- we weren't really I wasn't really expecting him to get a lot of playing time early on, and that was the case. But uh, in the past three games, his playing time has creeped up, and mm-hmm. we saw last week he had a career high. Well, he's only had 93 defensive snaps this year, David, in total. Uh, but 48 of those have come in the last two games. 27 defensive snaps last week against the Giants, which was a career high, which beat his career high from the week before of 21 defensive snaps against the Colts. And and if you and he last week against the Giants, he made that big splash play that you're kind of looking for from rookies, right? He'd uh, he got the that awesome uh, force fumble on Bellinger, the mm-hmm. tight end, and then recovered it. You don't like to see him get beat in coverage like he did, but you love to see the closing speed, the recovery speed, and the great rip move that he did on Bellinger, and then having the the awareness, the athletic ability to take that football, recover it inbounds and short circuit and then return it and that short circuited a giants potential giant scoring drive deep in vikings territory and that's the kind of play that 
I think we we were hoping to see, expecting to see from Brian Asimov because of his sideline to sideline ability, because of his speed. And now that he's been getting a bit more playing time, oh, we're and I think that's going to continue a bit because partly because Eric Kendricks has been dinged up a little bit lately, and also partly because Kendricks and Jordan Hicks, unfortunately, have not really been, I think, that good this year. Right. Uh, so there's an opportunity opportunity for Brian Asamoah to gain defensive snaps and he's been doing that the past two games and uh, we've seen in that action that the Vikings are sending him on the odd blitz we see that he's got an ability to hit gap open gaps with his speed and and create tackle for losses or help his uh, teammates get tackle for losses Uh, so it's great to see I'm excited to see what more he can do I think particularly with Jordan Hicks, who I think has been a bit of a liability in this defense this year at times, that I don't know if Brian Asimov is going to continue to get more playing time than he's getting right now, but I don't think he's going to get less than he's getting now. I think Kevin O'Connell has talked about getting the young guys, getting them more work as the season progresses, particularly with limiting the snaps of some of the veterans, giving them a bit of a rest. Uh, you're seeing that particularly with Brian Asamoa, and I think that he's carving out a bit of a role for the team. And again, as he's playing more, it gets more confidence. I think that you'll see, uh, it, it, I'm excited to see if he can be, become a more a key contributor to a Vikings defense, uh, giving them a little bit of juice, giving them a little bit of something that they don't have from their current inside linebackers, a little bit more speed, maybe a little bit more blitzing ability, a little bit better in coverage, perhaps, than Jordan Hicks. And, uh, you know, I, the, the Vikings defense needs some help, David, <laughs> of course. Yes, uh, and I think it's, I think over the season, things have started to slow down for him. He's making better choices than he did early. I think we're seeing that on the field. He's taking that speed and that ability to hit a hole like that. And he's now making better decisions doing that. And I think over time, when it comes to next year, I I think he's going to earn himself a starting position because I think Hicks and Kendricks or if he whether they're going to be back next year, yeah. But he and he's played both positions. They've had him at both spots. Yes. So I think that's a very very good deal, and I do agree with you that I think part of O'Connell's deal is I'm going to arrest the old guys and get the new guys in, and this is that perfect opportunity. He gains that on field experience at this level. Everything's slowing down for him. He's getting better at it, and it's resting Hicks and Kendricks, the two wise old gentlemen, for the playoffs a little bit more. So I expect his reps to go up, and he seems to do better on passing downs in for Hicks, um, which I expect to see more of as we move further down this season, i.e. tomorrow and next week and into the playoffs. And it, you make a very good point there, David, about uh, like with Asamoah and him being better in coverage than Hicks. Perhaps it gets to be a situation where Hicks plays on the obvious rundowns and then uh, Asamoah is in there for the pass rushing and pass coverage, uh, the obvious passing situation downs where he's either in coverage covering a tight end or a running back or or, or under or a slot receiver. Uh, I don't know how much he'd be covering slot receivers, but he did do that a bit at Oklahoma. Or they send him on, on a blitz occasionally, which they, they have done from time to time. Uh, it was asked about how did he pass Troy die on the depth chart well again 
uh, he was the backup, I believe, to Kendricks on the depth chart, whereas Dye was the backup to, to Hicks. Uh, but I, I think the, the reason he's passed Dye in the depth chart is that Asimov was a better player. <laughs> and, yep. and, awesome. and he's we've we've had we've had three years of Troy Dye with the Vikings. What has he really done? Um, not very much. Um, so he's had his shots. He's not taken advantage of them. Brian Asamoah drafted higher than Troy Dye. Uh, similar, very productive college players, but um, is a guy who's ascending a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and good to see it because third round pick. We were expecting, you know, again we were Something excited to see him what, this year. Yeah. yeah, we were excited to see what kind of role would he have. Would his skills translate? to the NFL level where he's a bit undersized for a linebacker, but you're seeing guys like Keanu Neal, former safety playing more of a linebacker role about the same size as Brian Asamoah. I don't see why Asamoah couldn't be effective if he's used in the right way. And the Vikings are starting to figure out, I think, figure out what he can do better, best and what they can protect him uh, from by not playing him on certain downs. Uh, but, um, Again, Vikings defense needs a lot of help, and if some of these young guys with some juice can provide that, all the better. Uh, I agree. Um, Julian Marker is watching on the way to Green Bay. Julian, I hope you're not driving. If you're driving, go ahead and just listen and glance every once in a while. But be safe and have uh, a great weekend. Watch you there in one piece and back in one piece. And I want you to enjoy the game, especially if the Vikings absolutely demolish the Green Bay Packers tomorrow. And we'll find out. As you can see, Darren has popped off. He's had issues these last few weeks with his connectivity. And he's back again. We lost him, but no big deal. We're moving on from the flying Brian Asamoah to talk about Eseze Otomewo. Another, uh, yes, Dave, another uh, rookie who um, has been, his snaps have gradually been moving up the past three games. He was um, a healthy scratch for the first several games of the year, 12 or 13, I believe. But And he's only played 42 de- defensive snaps in the season, but he got 11 in his season debut against the Lions. He got 14 against the Colts a couple of weeks later, and then he got 18, a career high, against the Giants last week. Um, part of that is you know, there's and um, part of that is like an injury issue again. But uh, if you look at the Vikings' defensive ends or defensive linemen, whatever they call them these days, uh, really Dalvin Tomlinson is the only guy that's I feel has really been pretty consistently stood out to me. Uh, even Harrison Phillips in my opinion, has been a bit of a disappointment so far in his first year. But guys like, but really the defensive line has not been a whole lot to write home about. So there's opportunity there for Azizi. And uh, now there's also been some injuries uh, issues. You got Jonathan Bullard, who's a starter. He's on the IR. Backup James Lynch. He's um, out for the next two weeks uh, with the shoulder injury. We're not, we expect he'll be back in the playoffs, but who knows? And then, uh, and then Ross Blacklock, who we tra- uh, traded for and who's a guy who could be taking some of those defensive snaps, he's been a healthy scratch the past two weeks. And before that, he had an uh, illness and was was out of game. So he's sort of been dropped off the depth chart. Asese Otodomeo has uh, gone, uh, you know, vaulted over him on the depth chart, it seems. And, uh, you know, he hasn't made any splash plays yet like Brian Asamoah. He did get credited with two uh, pass pressures last week against the Giants. So that's good. But 
again, gradually a rookie, gradually getting a bit more playing time. I think that uh, especially with the way things are going with James Lynch being out for the next two weeks mm-hmm. and Blacklock probably seems to be buried in the, in the depth chart and, and Aceze has jumped over him, that I think Aceze is going to get even a few more snaps in the next two weeks. And again, there's an opportunity there, Dave, to get, if he can make a few plays, uh, show up a bit more, he could carve out even a bigger role on a Vikings team that l- hopes to have a long, long playoff run. Uh, and it's, and uh, you know, I'm encouraged because again, we haven't gotten much out of the rookie class and that rookie class is part of the future of the Minnesota Vikings, not just this year, but in the following years, we're going to need to replace some of the veterans like Kendricks, like Bullard, like and on and on it goes. And mm-hmm. guys like Brian Asamoa and Asese Otomomoyo are going to be have to, potentially, they've got to be guys stepping up and taking those starting roles and being the, the next generation of the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, and developing into the tradition of Minnesota Vikings lines, defensive lines, which are it's real good. That wide receiver. Um, well, that brings us to the end of this deal. I got Asamoah there, and of course, the end of theme one always brings us to Lewis and Badass Wood Art. Here, if you like any of his pieces, you can order it with the promo code CT Pocket and you get 20% off. Now, you ask, what are his pieces? Obviously, you have that one there that he's holding in front of you. But you also have, whoop, that was his film, the new one. He's calling this fourth and 18. What a warm memory that was of the greatest catch, period. And go to his website at thatsbadasswoodart.com, and you can find his stuff, and he does do commissions. So it's not just football. He'll do anything you want. And Lewis is a great guy. So if you have the money, you want to brighten up your space, by all means, do it. That brings us to theme number two. You wanted to talk about the Duke. The Duke of Shelley. Yes. Um, on August 31st, I had to look this up, but on August 31st, Shelley got waived by the Bears and he got picked up by the Vikings and Quasia Dofamensa uh, brought him on to the practice squad. Um, like most practice squad uh, signings, especially when it's people who haven't been with the Vikings during training camp, um, you know, I took note of it and I didn't really, you know, think much more of it after that. I'm like, oh, practice squad guy, you know, they need depth at all positions. Shelley will probably never play. Uh, and, you know, that was it. Well, it turns out that Shelley has uh, proven me wrong and probably a lot of other people wrong because he's become a key, key contributor to, oh, you know, admittedly a bad Vikings defense, but maybe it'd be even worse if Duke Shelley wasn't <laughs> playing right now. Well, um, it shows a key play right there against the Bills. And that, and that was really magnificent game. 
yeah, that magnificent game and Shelley's play there, knocking away that pass from on from Knox, uh, was like that's a key and not really a play that people talk about very much about that game because if Knox catches that, uh, that is <laughs> that's game over <laughs> right there. We lose that game. Uh, so uh, and and it all gets well. The only thing that gets talked about is that the Vikings blew it at the end. I think, uh, but. That's that's one great play that Duke Shelley has made. But uh, if you look at again, uh, Pro Football Focus thinks pretty highly of Duke Shelley's play so far. Small sample size. I think he's only had three or four starts so far. Right. But they've got his his grade at seventy five right now, and that's they and that's fourteenth out of one hundred and twenty one corners that they have with grades in the NFL. Uh, so that's pretty that's- pretty pretty good um and then and then some people are probably saying well how come the vikings are giving up 400 passing yards per game if they got shelly's 14th in corners and the other guy opposite him uh <laughs> you know patrick peterson is seventh i think ranked seventh for pro football focus anyway um but it, it shelly's been it's pretty been, been pretty key for shelly to do what he's done um you know, Patrick Peterson has locked down the the right corner side all year, mm-hmm. and he's been very healthy. But on the left side, Cam Dantzler has had like an ankle injury; it's kept him out a lot. Uh, Andrew Booth Jr. was actually pushing Cam Dantzler for the starting position during training right. camp, but he had all those injury issues, and he's done for the year with the knee injury. And then a Caleb Evans came in; he was sort of in there because of the injury issues. Probably the Vikings didn't want to, didn't expect to use him, but they had to, but now he's had all those concussion problems and he's on IR. So in comes Duke Shelley and, and, you know, and he's played very well. Like uh, you, we looked at those grades. He's also got six passes defense, which is tied for third amongst Vikings defensive backs. And again, he's only played a very small amount of time compared to some of the other guys he's up against. And what I like about him, and I said it last week, David, is he's not content from what I've seen to just let receivers catch the ball in front of them and then tackle them he wants to make uh, plays on the ball Uh, he takes a few chances he's very sticky in coverage even though he's 5'9 I like what I've seen from him so far and generous 5'9 yes a generous 5'9 anyway that's what they list him at but that was probably Duke probably gave him that name (laughs) gave him that height (laughs) yeah his platform cleats on that day yeah but uh, really uh, he's played so well right now and he's only costing he's costing us like nine he's just shy under a million for the year so a great bargain considering what kind of the caliber of play he's had but uh he may have played himself into the vikings will have to make a decision he's a free agent after the year we also have lots of other questions at corner uh, Pat, patrick peterson's a free agent at, at the end of the year chandon sullivan's a free agent at the end of the year um andrew boot jr talented but had all those injury issues in college and that's been the same in his Part first his year in yep. his rookie year a caleb evans we think is you know is a talented kid but a bit unproven we're not really sure what we have with him cam dantzler is talented but he's had trouble staying healthy in his his three years in the nfl as well he seems to always get nicked up miss a game or two or more uh so duke shelley may have maybe playing himself into getting another contract with the Vikings next year. They'll have to make a decision with him. Uh, but right now uh, I expect that even though dancers is, is right now is uh, appears to be healthy to play uh, this week, 
I don't think that he's going to, I think it's pretty clear that he's not going to be the starting guy opposite Patrick Peterson. It'll be Duke Shelley. I think he might get a few snaps here and there, but I think this is Duke Shelley's job to lose right now for now and for however long the Viking season uh, lasts. And, um, and I think he's earned it. Mm. Uh, I agree so far. Now, what I would like to see is we do have a young stable of decent, and potentially very good corners. You've listed them all. What I would like to see is Duke move into the slot, into the nickel mm-hmm. position now. He's yeah. said, everybody, I'm not a nickel. I'm a outside corner. Well, size in the nickel it means less than it does on the outside. And if he has the ability, he has the instincts. You can see it when he plays. He's very instinctual. Um, and he knows when to try to jump a pass or knows when to get his hand up there and block it. If we could make that, make him agree to the move, want to be there, and then learn the nickel, I think I think we could be set for a long time as long as the injury bug does not hit like it has been on quite a few of those guys, whether it be Evans, Moose, um, et cetera. It's got to get, we've got to hope it gets better. And Patrick Peterson will be a big, you talk about the decisions next year, that will be a big one because it will be. his leadership and his tutelage of these young guys, you know, having them come over for the meal and watching tape together and all that sort of stuff, most pro players don't do that. And most pro players that are, you know, destined to go into the Hall of Fame don't do that. So, I mean, that's that's a huge benefit. You can't, you know, just disregard because he's a vet and, you know, he's going to be, you know, $4 million, $6 million or whatever. So we'll see. You know what time this is? It brings us to the show. I sure do, Dave. What time is Beer it? time. Beer it, time. Beer time, baby. As uh, we go in to talk about our favorite beer, the one I am drinking right now is a Lake Monster Depth Charge. It is an IPA. It is absolutely one of my favorites. I need to refill my glass here momentarily. But we love the folks, Matt Lang and all his crew over uh, at Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul. Jonathan says, bring him in as an assistant coach. The question is, will he want an assistant coach? You always make a heck of a lot more money playing than you do coaching there, Jonathan. And you've got to want to. On tap today for Lake Monster, everything is basically the same except for they have one new one. In the pints, they have Art Shanty Chocolate Porter. If you've never had a porter, a porter is a type of uh, ale. It's a sweeter ale than a lot of people are used to. Uh, it's not an IPA, but it's a sweeter ale. It is It is very good. It's sort of like between an IPA, a regular ale, bitter ale, IPA. Then you have porter, then you have stout. It's sort of like that in between there. And uh, they tend to be very good. I enjoy them, especially at, uh, after a nice meal. It's a nice dessert beer for me. Uh, but it is very, very good. And if you get a chance, go try it. I bet it's outstanding. 
ending. Brings us to theme three. Here's where we're going to talk about the Packers versus your Minnesota Vikings. Packer week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We're going to start off with the weather because it is an outdoor stadium. It may be old. It may have aluminum bleachers to sit on, but it is outdoors. Lambeau has all that history. Yes, but the Packers haven't won there all of the time because sometimes they play in Milwaukee. We might see that in the near future. Hopefully, we will when they start to really suck. Anyway, starting with the weather, tomorrow during game time, it's going to start out about 36 degrees. Quite balmy for January 1st. If uh, all of you that live up there in the Great White North, and I did for over 14 years before that when I was a kid, you get to January, and it's 36 degrees, and it's, boy, that's almost shorts weather. So it is going to be rather nice. It'll end up being right around freezing when they finish. But as you can see what the feels like, there's not much of a change, and the wind is minimal. So weather will not be a factor. should be at least partly cloudy, if not completely cloudy. Perfect to make Packers fans cry in their beers. All right, on to the normal numbers side of things. And we'll try to go through these quickly. We go through the rankings. PFF has the Vikings offense at nine and the Packers defense at six. How? I don't know, but it's PFF. We get to Pro Football Outsiders, DVOA. The Vikings have actually moved up to 19th overall. 16th in the pass and 26th in the run. You'd think our run game's better, but hey, we throw the ball almost two-thirds of the time, so I can see why. The Packers' defense is 19th overall, 8th against the pass, and 32nd against the run. There's a possibility there. Hmm. Elias Sports Bureau. The numbers that are provided to ESPN, NFL.com, your local newspaper, yada, yada. These are your box score stats. Have the Vikings offense 12th, up to 12th in yards, 6th in passing, 28th in rushing, 7th in points. It's top 10, folks. 7th in points. They've given up 45 sacks, which is not good. It is too many, but it is not the worst in the league. Uh, They're about two-thirds of the way down on that list. They are... Six or eighth in turnovers with uh, 17 giveaways. And that's the offense. For the defense on the Packers, they are ranked 17th in yards, third against the pass, so they're decent against the pass. We'll get into that a little bit here shortly. 
rushing their 27th, points their 17th, middle of the road, actually quite mediocre, sacks their 23rd, they've only had 31, turnovers, they are ranked 15th, and they have a zero differential. They've gotten as many as they've taken. And takeaways, they are 14th with 20. On to the Vikings defense. PFF power ranking of 13. Packers offense of 5. Yes, they like the Packers better. Packers are doing it more conventionally than the Vikings are this season. Now when you get to football outsiders, uh, we went up in PFF, by the way. When you get to football outsiders, our defense has gone down to 22, 24th against pass, 16th against the run. But we've all said that football outsiders does not like the Vikings this year. They have the <laughs> Packers offense 10th, 15th in the pass, third against the run. Elias Sports Bureau, we have the Vikings defense 31st, moved up from 32nd after last week's victory. 32nd against passing, says our secondary isn't very good. We all see that. 19th against rush and 28th on points. We've given up a lot of points. But we tend to score just that one or two more than the opposing team. That's all it takes, folks. We are 15th in sacks with 36. We are 5th in differential with plus 6. We are 8th in takeaways with 23. The Packers on the other side on their offense is 16th in yards, 17th in passing, 14th in rushing, 18th in points. Definition of mediocre. Uh, smack dab in the middle, a little bit lower. They have given up 28 sacks. They are 18th giving up 20 turnovers. Your over-under is 47 and a half. The line has bounced up between... Packers favored by three and a half to three all week. It ended up this morning at three. Most of the money, like 86% of the money going into Vegas, is going for the Vikings, which is always a good thing. We get to special teams. Our special teams moved up a couple slots. We're now 28th, according to Football Outsiders. Credit Greg Joseph for that one. And the Packers are 22nd. We'll get into why Packers are 22nd may mean an advantage to your Minnesota Vikings. The injury report. Here we go. Injury report. Vikings have already announced that two players are out. Garrett Bradbury with his back and James Lynch with his shoulder. And they've already been called out. Packers. On the other hand, have Keesian Nixon, a backup corner, is questionable, and a rotational corner, I should say. He does play. And wide receiver Christian Watson, starter. Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. The one that happened to drop that Lately. wide open ball on week one. Um, well, his favorite target this season. He is also questionable. It will be a game-time decision. Either way, we should be able to take advantage of them. That brings us to that individual we just talked about, Aaron Rodgers. It's 
it's always about Rogers when we talk about that team from Wisconsin, David. But um, it, 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 uh, same for the national media. That's all they talk yeah. about. But uh, we'll talk about a few other things besides a Raj, though, here in the next few minutes. But uh, at, uh, when we look, it's been four months since these teams played, which it seems like that seems like a long time in football. But uh, I, I think, and back then on our first uh, game preview show, uh, I I talked about that. I thought that Rogers was this was a great time for the Vikings to face Rogers. He was going to have a couple of rookies that he hadn't really that he'd been complaining about all training camp, hadn't played with during preseason in Christian Watson and, and Romeo Dobbs, and I and he didn't have obviously he didn't have Devonte Adams anymore, and I just felt that he was going to have a him being a little bit rusty, uh, some offensive line issues because Bakhtiari wasn't going to be playing, and the and the new receivers that he wasn't familiar with. I thought that there, he was going to probably be off and struggle playing that Vikings three four defense for the first time, and that's exactly what happened. He, he only passed for 195 yards in that game, probably he, Rogers' worst game of the season or close to it, and uh, also that was that's I think that that game that performance by our defense unfortunately is still the high watermark for for the Vikings defense this year and it was the first game of the year so uh, you know some things have say stayed the same but a lot has changed with both teams and I think that you can throw out a lot of what you saw in that 23 to 7 victory the Vikings had back in week one and one of the things you can throw away is that uh, Rodgers even though he's not having a good year by Aaron Rodgers standards quite below his his play in previous years, particularly with the interceptions, um, he is not as uncomfortable throwing to his guys anymore. And he spreads the ball around a lot. And particularly Christian Watson, uh, he's gotten very comfortable throwing to him. And Watson being questionable is a, is a big, big thing in this game for the Vikings and for that team from Wisconsin because Watson's their big play guy. Uh, he's got thirty only 35 catches. He's still dropping one or two passes a game from the games I've watched that he probably should catch, but he's catching much more than and and Rodgers is looking to him and throwing to him and not hesitating throwing to him anymore he's he's got he's averaging over 14 yards per catch he's he's got the longest catch that the Packers receiver has this year at 64 yards he's got seven touchdowns uh, and a lot of this has all happened in the past five or six games for him so if he can't go tomorrow uh, I think that's he's a matchup at 6-4 and very very fast He's a kind of a matchup I would not like the Vikings to have to face their corners face in this in this game, particularly you know five nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, particularly five nine. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Duke Shelley. Um, <laughs> so him being out would would be uh, you know I think a plus for the Vikings, and it would hurt the, the Packers uh, in in that way. Uh, last week in the Miami game, uh, the Miami defense really challenged Rodgers and and the Packers. They had eight, nine, ten guys tight on the line of scrimmage uh so rogers took his shots he threw deep he didn't hit on a lot on them but he did throw that well you know he did try quite a few um i think that and 
you know, and the the Dolphins blitzed a fair bit. Uh, that is a defensive strategy that I don't think we are going to see tomorrow from Ed Donatel and the Minnesota Vikings. Even though Kevin O'Connell talked three weeks ago about we need to make some changes, we need to make some adjustments, we need to do some different things. He, you know, indicated that we they probably would want to be a little bit more aggressive in the blitz packages. We haven't really seen that yet, and I don't think tomorrow is when you're going to see it because I think Ed Donatel is going to be like. He's going to be very concerned about challenging uh, the Packer wide receivers and getting beat over the top, particularly if Watson is in the game. But even if he isn't, I think he's going to be quite content to do like in the first game, make the Packers grind out long drives. Uh, When they get in the red zone, stiffen up like they have been doing, force them to kick field goals and not uh, get touchdowns. And then you've got the offense, the Vikings offense, which is, scored 27 or more points for the past five games. Uh, and that's a that's been a very uh, successful strategy for the Vikings in the past five games and really all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's that's what you're going to see. Um, uh, and uh, Well, he did blitz more last week. The blitz yeah. rate was up. Now, Eddie was using different players to blitz. Kendricks was one of them. And mm-hmm. Kendricks knows how to blitz, obviously – being under Zimmer for so long, he knows yes. how to time that right. And the whole idea is that you time it right. You disguise it, you time it, you get pressure on the quarterback. But as we all know, Aaron Rodgers can beat you if you don't get that perfect. So, And uh, I think uh, Rodgers likes, he said it, he, he, likes, he likes to see the blitz because that gives him an opportunity to get those big chunk plays. But if Donatel isn't going to do that, and I don't think he will, he'll he'll blitz the odd time. But uh, if he's going to force the Packers to grind out those drives, then the Vikings defensively have to do a couple of things uh, very well tomorrow. And one of them is when the short passing game comes into play, and it'll come into play a lot with Rodgers, with the wide receiver screens and getting the ball out quickly, our corners have to rally. They have to recognize that's happening. Mm-hmm. They've got to defeat blockers like Alan Lazard, who's a hell of a blocker for a wide receiver. Yep. He can take out two or three guys all by himself. Uh, they've got to uh, beat those blocks, and then they've got to take down the, the the Packer wide receivers and pass catchers quickly so that they don't get huge yards after the catch. And the other thing that they got to do is – uh, the Packers run the ball well, uh, and they have for several years under Lafleur. But uh, they can't let Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon get uh, five, six, seven yards every carry, uh, because again, that puts Rodgers in very good down and distance situations, and then he'll just pick us apart. Uh, those two things the Vikings did very well in that first game, uh, but they're going to have to do it very well tomorrow if they want to come out on top. It'd also help if uh, Zadarius Smith, the Z-Man, um, has a big game tomorrow. We know that he uh, he's going to be motivated going back to Lambeau. He was very vocal earlier in the season about the, how he wasn't very happy with how the Packers management and medical staff uh, treated him in his last year there. And in that first game, even though they only had the one sack and the one tackle, he was a wrecking crew out there, destroying blocks, creating opportunities for his other play- defensive players. And I, if he, you know, I'd like to see it'd be great if he has a big, big game because oh, he's been I a bit quiet. Does. I hope he comes onto the field. They boo him, and that just fires him up. Oh, they'll you boo know, him. <laughs> cranks that you know energy meter to one hundred and ten percent, and he just flies. 
because he's he's still getting pressures, but sack-wise, he's really slowed down. He's only got a, a sack and a half in the last eight games. Uh, and uh, at the start of the year, he was, you know, he was he had obviously had oh, yeah. eight and a half through the first, you know, uh, not even half the season. So, but I think he's primed for a big game tomorrow. Uh, and if he does have a big game, uh, that's going to be huge for the Vikings' defense in stopping Rodgers and the Packers' offense. And he's going against his buddy. Bakhtiari is going to be starting, so he knows all the tricks against that individual. It's going to be a good matchup. I look forward to seeing it, but I'll bet he has a good day. Mm, I bet he will, too. Uh, I think he'll have his best day in several weeks, and he's going to be all over the field. And if he is all over the field, well, uh, I think that's going to be great news for the Vikings' defense. Um, Offensively, for us, <laughs> Jair Alexander made the news this week, uh, put up some bulletin board material. I love this slide, Dave, you showed me a little bit earlier, <laughs> uh, talking about how it was a fluke that Justin Jefferson caught all those passes and had an 883 receiving yards and blah, 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 blah. We all know that's horse shit. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> and uh, that Justin Jefferson uh, with uh, multiple, multiple hundred receiving games this year, uh, it wasn't a fluke. Uh, sure, he's going to get uh, extra attention and it'll, and we'll see how the, the Packers approach it tomorrow. But um, Kevin O'Connell has gotten quite used to and Justin Jefferson have gotten quite used to this extra attention that Justin Jefferson is receiving. They have shown week after week. And there we go. What he's, Darren was saying, they've shown week after week their ability to overcome it. There's only been two games where Justin Jefferson has actually been relatively shut down. And uh, Eagles being one of them, uh, Dallas, Detroit did it a little bit in their first game, but it's uh, it wasn't the Packers, and it wasn't Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander was whining that uh, you know that first game was a, a fluke, well, and that he should cover side to side, but he didn't cover him. Andrew, I agree with you. I hope JJ puts up two hundred yards. I hope he puts up two. What was it? Two hundred twenty-two to break the record tomorrow. That would be nice. Then they, can, they can't say, well, it's in 17 games. He can say, no, I did it in 60. I just, that, would be, that would be a belated Christmas present to all of us if J.J. goes out there and just balls out and gets an excess of 200 yards. And he hasn't, uh, he's never gotten north of 60 yards in his two previous games at, at Lambeau. So, uh, um, but that's that's not going to happen tomorrow. Last year he had uh, Sean Mannion throwing in the ball, <laughs> so yeah. I'm amazed he got 60, 60 yards in there a little bit too. Um, Davey you missed the Brian Asamoa talk. We talked about it in the first segment, theme one, quite extensively. Uh, do we think Irv will get some snaps? Purple Haze is asking. I think he will, but I don't think it's going to be very many. Um, I think they'll throw him in there to get get him back acclimated with the offense in hopes of getting him primed for the playoffs. But it's I don't know what kind of role Irv can have because uh, T.J. Hawkinson is playing all the time and they're throwing the ball to him a lot. Um, Johnny Munt's clearly a guy in there to block. Um, Irv Smith is not a bad blocker, but probably not as good as Munt. He's not as good a pass receiver as T.J. Hawkinson, so you're not going to be putting Irv in there for Hawkinson 
or uh, for the receiving right. threat, and you're not going to be putting him in there to block for Johnny Munt. So I, I don't know. I think he gets a few snaps, but I don't think that his impact is going to be – well, he won't have an impact tomorrow, uh, I don't think. Um, maybe in the playoffs they find a role for him, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just not seeing it. It's it's if Irv comes on, it's it's the expense of probably a wide receiver. So if we get into if we go in tomorrow and we open a massive lead, yes, and where we can start sitting people, you very well may see Adam Thielen come off because he's been playing with a sort of a dinged up knee most of the season, and you could tell, and he needs to rest. If anybody's going to rest going into the playoffs. You want your old vet guys to rest. Adam Thielen's one of those. We talked about uh, Kendricks and Hicks on the other side. Adam Thielen's on the offensive side. Then you might see J.J., um, Ozzy, and then Hawkinson and Irv on the field at the same time. But it's, it's going to be situational. It'll be like that. So... I'm not sure we're going to see much of Irv, but it's interesting to see. They definitely want him. They want him ready. They've said that all year, and they hope to have him in the playoffs, so we'll see. One uh, one key to Irv Smith or anybody catching the ball, David, tomorrow is going to be, uh, again, how our offensive line uh, handles the, the, the Packers' pass rush. They don't have a lot of sacks this year, but last week against – uh, the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa, they created a lot of pressure on him. Didn't result in a lot of sacks, but it it, it did bother him. Particularly, I felt in the second half when he threw those three interceptions. And well, I uh, think part of that was his brain was scrambled. He got a concussion in the first half. He sailed one ball, but uh, but he was he was under like he was not uh, not comfortable back there. And last week. I was pretty happy, even though the Vikings gave up the four sacks. I was pretty happy with how the offensive line handled the Giants and uh, Wink Martindale's blitz uh, packages. Um, they gave Kirk just enough time to get rid of the ball, and and Kirk needs and Kirk needs that time because a lot of these routes that that are particularly going to J.J. Jefferson, they're longer developing. They, so he needs more time for J.J. to get open and get where he needs to be to get him the ball. Uh, and that's not going to change tomorrow, I don't think. So uh, the offensive line, again, has to hold up against the Packers' defense, which has gotten a bit better lately. Uh, they, I thought they'd be a really good defense at the start of the year. They really weren't. They're still not against the run, but uh, they've given up only given up 20 points the, you know they haven't given up any more than 20 points the last three games mind you that was against the bear two offensively challenged teams in the bears and, and the rams <laughs> but still they did it last week uh they didn't give up any points in the second half there was a stat shown on the fox uh, uh broadcast the dolphins and packers where they've only given up six points in the fourth quarter this year or something crazy like that uh so you got their defensive strength in the fourth quarter, and the Vikings have been really good on offense. Their in the offensive quarter. strength is the fourth quarter. Yeah, they lead. The Vikings in the fourth quarter offense leads the league by a mile. Yeah, on uh, scoring. So, so that's a good. That'll be a good matchup there to see which offense and defense who wins that battle in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'll, I'll be looking for in purple. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me, me on, on Purple and Kirk Cousins and, and the gang and Kevin O'Connell. Uh, one thing about Cousins last week in the Giants game, he almost had two interceptions. One the, one got 
taken away because of defensive holding. Another, the guy, uh, the defensive back didn't quite secure it. And there were a few other throws that were kind of, you know, they were close. Yeah, they were off. Uh, Last week, the big reason the the Packers won that game was four turnovers, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And and those kind of risky throws are the things, are the kind of throws that a guy like Rasul Douglas, who I think is a better corner than Jair Alexander, actually, those are the kind of plays that they he takes advantage of in particular. So Cousins will have to be really accurate tomorrow and not throw some of those as many risky throws. I love the 2022 Kirk Cousins taking chances, uh, you know, throwing those, uh, not just waiting for his wide receiver to be wide open to get him the ball, trusting them to make plays when they're on contested catches. But you, you got to be a little bit careful about that sometimes, uh, especially on the road in a tight game like this where turnovers could be a deciding factor. In, in the game. Um, so big, something to watch out there. Uh, and the last thing that I really want to mention is uh, kickoff coverage. Mm-hmm. You were talking about Keyshawn Nixon, the nickel corner for the Packers. Uh, some people might not know this, but Nixon is the leading kickoff uh, has the leading kickoff return average in the NFL with 27 yards per game average. And he broke off a 94-yarder against Miami last week. He's been really good since they put him in the kickoff return um, uh, spot for the Packers. And we know that the Vikings have issues with kickoff coverage of late. If he's not playing, that would be a huge plus for the Vikings on the special teams because we won't have to deal with him uh in, in the in the kickoff um, coverage area and um, but if he is in the game the Vikings and Matt Daniels coverage units have got to got to win that battle tomorrow we can't let Nixon get two or three uh, big returns that give, returns yeah give the give Rogers a short field to work with that's just a disaster on the other side of the thing though David is Mason Crosby the the that team from Wisconsin's kick returner he does not have a strong yeah. leg. Nope. And he's going to be, he's going to be not anymore. Uh, he, and he's going to be outdoors. The, the weather isn't super cold, but still it's going to be outdoors. He's not going, I don't think it, uh, like uh, uh, touchbacks, he's not going to be able to do them. No, he's got <laughs> so, the lowest rate of touchbacks out of all the kickers in the NFL. He, it's like, he doesn't get a, he gets a touchback less than 10%. It's always yeah. short. His leg He's old. He should. He's probably going to retire after this year, and he's had a great career. Yes, he has. Um, but where that gives us an advantage is Ken A, who we have picked Kenny here. Kenny Kenny Wong, that's right. He is going to have opportunity. Hopefully, there won't be too many kickoff returns for him because if there is, that means Green yeah, Bay is scoring. Yeah, scoring yeah. <laughs> but uh, the ones that he has, uh, he's going to have opportunity. At the half, yeah. He's going to have opportunities to bring them back and return them, guaranteed. And a lot of games this year, he has not had one opportunity (laughs) to return. They've just oh yeah. And last week you saw it. He'd get so frustrated as he watched the ball go over his head. Yeah, and he the body language walking out of the end zone. It's like, are you going to kick to me? No, no. That's a smart move by a bunch of teams. Nope, we're going to blast it over your head. Offense gets the ball twenty five. Sorry. I put on the jersey. I don't even have to take a shower. I didn't get <laughs> at all sweaty because nobody would let me catch the ball. <laughs> yeah. But um, he is going to have an, an at least one opportunity in this game and maybe a couple others. If he can get all, like, take one to the house like he did against New England or at the very least, 
uh, get a couple of long returns that gives the Vikings offense a short field. Uh, that could be a big swinging factor in a game that I think is going to be close and uh, hard fought and, as usual, come down to the last possession or two to see who, who wins it. Whoever so, has the ball last wins. Yeah. I saw so, that as a headline. I disagree. I think we're going to win this one 30-17. I'd love first. that, David faith in our team uh jim welcome to the show i think the first time i've seen you pop up um you've been commenting well i like that you asked him you're worried about the number two seed vikings need to win out no matter what to secure that number two seed if they're lucky and they win out and the eagles get lose their next two which is a possibility with a quarterback out we can take the one seed. But if we lose, you know San Francisco's going to snatch up that two seed in a heartbeat. I want that two seed because that keeps everybody coming to Minneapolis except for the Eagles game. And that is a huge advantage for the Vikings. Anytime they play at home, you get you guys, the great Vikings fans, that helps the team, it feeds them mentally psychologically, when they hear you screaming and yelling, all that stuff, it bugs the heck out of the visiting team when you're screaming and yelling. And uh, it makes life easier, and it is so much more enjoyable when it's at home. So they've got to win out. And can they? Absolutely. They can beat Green Bay tomorrow and Chicago the following week. Davey has an idea. Why don't we just open a playbook? and squash the pack and put an end to this. I agree with you, buddy. Mary said it earlier. Play four full quarters of football. Don't take any time off on this one and drive them into the turf. And right at that time, we lose Darren. Well, folks, that has been the show for the day. We hope you learned a little bit, enjoyed a little bit. We loved having you here, talking with you in chat, whether it be the rookies we talked about in the first theme, the Duke of Shelley in the second theme, or diving into that game, which will be live tomorrow, national broadcast everywhere except for a couple spots in California. I'm sure they'd rather be watching ours, but who cares? And, uh, I, well, for the Vikings fans there, I feel for your pain. That's what Sunday Ticket's for. But everywhere else, it will be live, which should be good. Any last words there, Darren? Um, I think the, 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 a lot of the talk early on in the week was about how this is a must-win game for the Packers. Uh, I, I, you talked about it. It's a must-win game for the Vikings too. I, I think just because um, if they want the if they they want the second seed and any hope of getting the first seed, they got to win out here. Uh, so I don't think you're going to have an unmotivated <laughs> team with the Vikings tomorrow. And double that, you know, add that up with the fact that they can pretty much end the the Packers season if they beat them in Lambeau Field. Uh, the Vikings haven't swept the Packers since 2017 and I think it's uh, it's happening this year in 2022. I know a lot of people that Vegas has the Packers favor. I know there's all there's a lot of reasons I think that Green Bay should win this game, but I feel that the Vikings are are 
uh, it's going to be a close game. They all, a lot of them have been this year, but I feel the Vikings are going to take the, pull this one out and, uh, and they're, they're going to end the, the Packers season. And, um, but um, again, you're, you're going to be going against a desperate team with the Packers. Uh, they went, they gambled four or five times on fourth down last week against Miami. And they're going to do the same thing this week. If the opportunity happens, because they know that they, they got nothing to lose really. But we know we love the Mondays after they lose. And it's possible that Kevin O'Connell ties Dennis Green's record and sweeping the Packers in his first season ever. I don't want to see it. Yep. But yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm expecting a Vikings win tomorrow, even though uh, there's factors that tell me that that maybe may not it's be. not going to be a may not be but i you know i just feel that the uh, the football gods this year are working in our favor <laughs> and please let them continue all right everybody we want to wish you darren and i a happy new year's be safe tonight if you're going out be smart about it there's a bunch of people out there that are not so make sure you protect yourself uh Always be wise. Drink some absolutely your favorite beverage. Mine today is Lake Monster Brewing, brought to you by. It's their Depth Charge IPA. It is great. Enjoy. And what do we say, buddy? And we can't. We can't hear him. <laughs> All right, and he's muted. Unmuted. Try again. We say Skull Vikings. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Skull Vikings! <laughs> Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.